Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Now, today, there's some good tech jobs that you can get. I realize we live in the 21st century, not in the first century. And so, but when you labor, whatever you do, you work at it, you learn the very best you can, and you work that which is good. Stealing is evil, work is good. Hold on just a minute and look at me. But not all work is good. You say it's not? No, not all work is good. It's not good to drive a beer truck that's delivering a poison to destroy minds and families. It's not good to be a bartender. It's not good to work in nightclubs. It's not good to be in the pornographic industry. There are certain things that are good and Christ honoring. There are other things that are bad. So there's more than just go to work. It's go to work with the right attitude at the right place and you start laboring. Now, how do you do that? What are the characteristics of good labor? Well, the very word labor we learn means to work to the point of exhaustion. So you work in Energetically. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Colossians 3.23, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto man. Now look, young people, if you're gonna go to work, wherever you're gonna go to work, show up before the time you need to be there, have a smile on your face and work industriously. Give it everything you've got every day that you're there. There's an industry called the fast food industry. A lot of it is not fast and some of it's really not food. And I, every time I stop and I wanna get something quickly, it seems to take longer than usual. A number of years ago when we were traveling in evangelism with our children, we stopped at, forgive me for naming the place, but Popeyes. And when we were there, it was service in slow motion. My son and I were looking at each other. He started giggling. He said, Dad, do they ever learn how to work here? I think it must have taken us a half hour to get a bucket of chicken. And I thought to myself, I'll go to Kentucky Fried from now on, amen. I'm not gonna eat at Popeye's, not when it's that slow. And I said to him, son, do you see how insulted we were? Don't you ever be lazy. You be industrious and you work hard and give it everything you've got every day that you labor. But then work ethically. That simply means that you do it according to the professional standards of conduct. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you get fired at Disney World if you look slovenly and you don't work hard. When they give you the rules and regs for how you work, they tell you, here's what time I want you to be here, here's how you're gonna look, here's how you're gonna cut your hair, etc. Don't just do it, exceed that. Work ethically and you will never lack for a job. How many of you eat at Chick-fil-A? Anybody ever eat Chick-fil-A? One of my favorite fast food restaurants because it normally is fast and it really does take like, taste like food. Truett Cathy, you ought to read his books, talk to his employees how to give first-class service. I think I've got time to tell you this. Truett Cathy started the Dwarf House Restaurant. If you've never read his books, they're worth reading. The Dwarf House Restaurant was the first place that he introduced the chicken sandwich. 
when he started the restaurant, he made the entire small restaurant in the state of Georgia out of used materials. He went out and got two by fours and knocked the nails out of them. He went and got some cinder blocks and knocked the concrete off of them. And his entire restaurant was built out of used materials. It was intriguing to me that he couldn't get anybody to trust him in order to, to send him food. They didn't think his restaurant was gonna make it. Too bad they didn't invest in that guy. And so there was a friend of his, if I remember correctly, who ran a golf course and had a restaurant. He said, I tell you what, over uh, order and I'll buy from you. And that's how he got started. Now Chick-fil-A's are all over the United States and outside the United States. I believe if I read correctly, per square foot, working six days, not seven, because two had honored God on this Sunday. Six days a week, they make more per square foot than any other fast food chain in the entire world because he set it up so that it would be done ethically and it would be done with efficiency. I love to go in because their restrooms are clean. Can I get an amen? You ever been in some of those restrooms? I say to myself, if the uh, place where they cook looks like this restroom, I'm, I'm just gonna go on back out to the car. I don't want anything to do with that. Their restrooms are clean. When they, when they give you something, they usually say this, my pleasure. Say that with me, my pleasure. Normally they smile. You won't last long at Chick-fil-A if you're lazy. You won't last long at Chick-fil-A if you think you're gonna do it your way. Interesting also, how many people want to get into the Chick-fil-A business and they want to manage one of those stores and then work efficiently. Proverbs 22 and 29 says, see a man diligent at his business, that man shall stand before kings. In other words, when you go to work, don't just exist, excel, and figure out is there a way to do this better? Can you do something that will save the company time? Can you do something that will be even more efficient in your service? You don't just go to work for money, go to work for a ministry and work efficiently and then work with excellence, works excellency, excellently. In Genesis chapter one and verse 31, when Jesus finished the six days of creation, he said it was very good. Don't just exist, excel. Say it with me. Don't just exist, excel. In the book of Genesis, or the book of Daniel chapter three, Daniel had an excellent spirit. I'll tell you what, young people, your attitude will take you everywhere in the business world. And a lousy attitude will take you nowhere and you'll be out on work and you'll be trying to look for food stamps yourself. I love to read through the Bible about people like Daniel because even the people who were opposed to him knew he had an excellent spirit. I went into a restaurant some time ago and my wife and I a lot of times will split a meal. We don't eat as much as we used to. And so uh, I said to the lady, she was such a great waitress. I mean, she came with a tremendous attitude. I really tipped her. There's some people I don't wanna give anything to, but I really tipped this girl. And I said, what we'd like is two eggs over easy. We'd like uh, sausage patties and some grits. And we'd also like uh, wheat toast. And I said, if you don't mind, uh, we're just gonna split a meal and have two cups of coffee. Oh, she said, great. So when she came back, she didn't have one plate and another empty plate. She had it already split back in the kitchen. And she had a little piece of parsley. Now, I don't know what parsley's for. I put it in my mouth, want to spit it out, but it did look nice on the plate. And so she had a piece of parsley on each one of the plates. She came with a smile on her face and I simply said, do you happen to have any strawberry jam? Oh, she said, I'll check. And so she went, she came back, she said, I am so sorry, we don't have any strawberry jam. Always oh, got great. I said, don't worry about it. Oh no, she said, we're gonna fix that. 
And I don't know where she got the strawberries, but they made quickly some kind of little strawberry jam. She brought it out on the side. I said, dear lady, I said, this is one of the neatest restaurants I've ever eaten in in my life. I said, you folks are first class. I went back, looked at the cook, two thumbs up. That's the way you wanna work. Why? You're not just working for them, you're working for him. What you're doing is representing what kind of God you serve, and he is an excellent God. Well, then what are the contributions of your labor when you go to work and you don't steal? Number one, you gain. Deuteronomy 8.18, thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that give thee power to get wealth. You'll get some personal satisfaction from that. Proverbs 13.19, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Has anybody here ever worked construction? Can I see your hands? Aha. You talk about work, buddy, that is W-O-R-K, and you labor and sweat. When I was back the age of some of you, I had blonde hair, uh, brown skin, I was buff, and that's ancient and medieval history, it will never return. But I was in good shape, and I worked for two of the fastest bricklayers in the state of North Carolina. I mixed mortar and did all kinds of things. We built a nursery school. I just like to tell you, it's still standing, amen. And so we built the nursery school. Now you'd have to work construction to appreciate this, but when we finished that nursery school and everything was done, we packed up the tools and we were leaning in North Carolina in Greensboro against the truck, or as the boys called it, the truck. And while we were leaning up against the truck, they were all talking about, check that out, good job. Yeah, nice roof, man. Did you do good on those gutters? And I'm thinking to myself, you boys about killed me. And I was excited too because we accomplished something. As a matter of fact, the next night, we had gone to another place to work and start another project. And I, after work, went back and I just sat in the driveway of that nursery school. And I sat there and I smiled and I said, I helped build that. One of the first dates my wife ever went on when she came to my hometown was to sit in that driveway and I said, baby, I helped build that. And then one day we would go back and see my mother and she said, this is not the way to your mother's house. I said, the way I'm taking you, baby, I helped build that. I go back there from time to time because there's a, there's a satisfaction about accomplishing something and there's nothing like coming to the end of the day when you've given your very best, you know God is pleased, you know you've had a good testimony, there's some satisfaction but there's also some substance. In all work, the Bible says, all labor, there is profit. Though Proverbs 13, 4 says that uh, 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 the slothful man desires and has nothing, he goes further and says, the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. I am so glad that I taught all my children to work. How many of you hope to go to college one day? Would you raise your hand? I hope you do too, and I hope you go, as I said, to a good Bible college where you can learn some things. I was out jogging one day years ago, and I was thinking about my three children who are all grown and in uh, different ministries now, and I started figuring up, there's three of them, they're gonna go four years each, that's 12, and I figured out how much it was gonna be per year and almost passed out jogging. And I thought to myself, how in the wide world, and some of you adults are smiling because you're thinking the same thing, how in the wide world are we gonna pay for that? Well, there is an answer to that, it's called work. I called my son in, he's the oldest of the three. I said, son, go look in the mirror. He said, what for? I said, I want you to see the other guy who's gonna pay for your education. I want you to get introduced to him. I said, now your sisters cannot make as much money as you can make. They'll make some money and they'll work. All three of my children, 
went four years to college. My son is just about to finish his doctoral work. My daughter got her uh, master's in nursing, and so they, they've gone through and they've made something out of themselves for the glory of God. But when the last one graduated from college, hang on to your hat, we didn't owe one dollar to that college. Every single dime had been paid. Did you help, Dr. Farrell? Yes, I helped to an extent. But if I was a multimillionaire, I would not, I repeat, would not pay for my children's education. If I had it all, I wouldn't do it. Because one of the greatest things they have ever learned is how important it is to work, W-O-R-K. Say it with me, work. Say it again, work. You're not acting like you're gonna do this one day. We're gonna practice this this morning. Everybody say it, work. Say it again, work. Work efficiently, work enthusiastically. Give it everything you've got and you will be able to make some money, but you should take that money and give. If you study this passage of scripture, it doesn't say labor with his hands that which is good so that he may have to gain, but it says that he may have to give to them that are in need. Now, God doesn't need your money. He made you and he doesn't need anything. But you need to learn how to, to give in and through the local church and it's called tithing. Now, look right up here. Some of you are going to hear and some of you young people are going to go to college and you're going to get on the blogs and you're going to get on the radio and you're going to hear tithing's not for today. I want to broadside that Titanic and tell you that's a lie. In Malachi chapter three and verse 10, will a man rob God? They said, how in will we rob thee? He said, in tithes and offerings. The word tithe means a tenth. If you make $50, then $5 is a tenth of 50, which you should automatically be giving in and through your local church. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, Matthew 23, 23 is New Testament. Jesus never, get this plainly, and get it in your snack shop conversations. Jesus never canceled tithing, never. He said in Matthew 23, 23, you tithe mint, anise, and cumin. You've omitted the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Now listen to his words. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Jesus never, I repeat, never canceled tithing. He corrected how it should be given. So let me on the basis of the Bible tell you this. If you have a job or you have an allowance and you do not tithe, you are a thief. I don't plan to apologize that for it. In fact, so you can put it uh, and send it on your tweet. I'll say it a second time. You are a thief. The tithe is the Lord's. Now, you ought to do better than tithing. At restaurants today, they are expecting somewhere between 17 and 18%. That person who serves you never died on a cross for you. That person doesn't know you, doesn't love you. Jesus Christ paid it all, all to him I owe. We're not paying for our salvation when we're tithing. We're simply saying thank you that you died in my place, buried and raised again. Thank you for the ability to use my hands and my mind. Thank you for the ability to see and hear. Thank you that it's you that give me the opportunity to work and I want to simply say in response, thank you, and I will tithe plus give extra. Everybody in this building, do you ever stop and think about this? If you would skip and not, not buy one Big Mac meal a week, just one, that's about six plus bucks times four weeks, that's $24. You could take 24 to $25 a month, invest in missions for somebody that's giving out the gospel and get a real head start on a lot of other people that are lagging in their wagging on understanding how to do that. So you can give to God. And then you have the ability to give the others. The Bible says, he that hath pity on the poor lendeth to the Lord. There's a lot of folks who are in need of some help. 
You know, we don't, we don't uh, gain, or we don't go to work to get, we actually go to work so we can give. And as we are serving and as we're surrendering, we can touch lives of people. Many years ago, my dad taught us that it was Christmas and he got us all around, my sister and I, and he said, hey, tell what we're gonna do this Christmas. We're not gonna give each other hardly anything. We're gonna give it away. Well, I didn't think that was a great deal. I was a kid at the time and I thought, man, Christmas, that's the time to make a haul. So Dad didn't ask us. He just set the platter and explained what we we're going to do. We went out and bought groceries. Dad never did anything cheap way. He bought good groceries. We went out and we bought clothing. We bought toys. And we went to three different homes. I can still see this. We knocked on an old rundown house, rattle trap door. Man came. He and his wife are dirt poor, had three children. He said, hi. He said, well, Reverend, what you doing here? Oh, he said, uh, if you'll open the door and open the refrigerator, uh, the Farrell family would like to come in and help you to have a nice Christmas. And they started crying. Man, I'm carrying in groceries and I'm carrying in clothes and I'm carrying in toys. And all of them were saying, man, we really appreciate this. Well, we didn't expect you to do anything like that. He said, well, it's Christmas. He said, Christmas is not the time to get, it's the time to give. And then he sat down next to that man and his wife and those three children. He said, let me tell you the real gift of Christmas. Boy, I respect my dad so much because just because he went and helped them, he led that whole family to Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, stop living to get and start living to give. Say it with me. Stop living to get and start living to give. Say it again. Stop living to get and start living to give. You know, years and years ago, my son had a job and he was working and I didn't know this. I was playing golf with a youth pastor at the time. And he looked at me and he said, boy, I really appreciate the gift of your son. I said, what gift? He said, well, there's a young man in our youth department and he is not doing too well. His father's passed away and he didn't have enough money to go to camp. And I said, oh, really? I said, I know that family. I said, uh, the wife and the children have been in our home after the husband went home to be the Lord. And I said, uh, how much did he get? Well, he said he paid the whole thing for the boy to go to camp. I said, how much was that? And then I said, well, I tell you what, if I known you'd have that much money, I'd borrow some myself. I said, no. But I, I said, he paid the whole thing? He said, yes. I went home and I pulled him aside. I said, son, did you pay for the whole freight for that boy to go to camp? Well, he said, yes, sir. I said, I didn't know anything about it. He said, well, I just wanted to do it for Jesus. Here's the best part of the story. That boy went to camp, camp just like this, and got saved. Say amen. Last I heard, that boy's still living for Jesus Christ. Don't live to get, live to give. Say it. Don't live to get, live to give. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. 
please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.